Hey, good morning. It is great to see you all here in person, folks online. Glad that you could join us as well. We're going to start today at the end. At the end of the age, Jesus' return. This is something to look forward to. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among his people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will, wipe away, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Yes, yes, it's going to be amazing. And do you see the very best part of it? The very best part the loud throne voice, the first thing it says, right? It says, look, check this out. God's dwelling place is now among his people. And if you didn't get that, let me say it again. And he will dwell with them. Maybe I should say it in different words so it's sure to get through to you. God himself will be with them. God's presence. The best thing about the new heaven and the new earth, the best thing about Jesus returning is Jesus. His presence. This last summer, right, we pressed in to community and discipleship and God's presence. God's presence is super important. We, we saw in Colossians, as we studied through the book of Colossians this last summer, that Jesus is bringing his followers, his disciples to life, and he's doing it through his presence, Christ in us, transforming us, changing our lives, making us more like Jesus. You can also see it in John 15. Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. If we are in him, we come to life. If we are apart from him, apart from his presence, we got nothing. We can do nothing. The Apostle John later sums up the importance of the presence of God this way. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. If we want to come to life. If we want to be like Jesus, if we want to thrive and enter into the promised land, we need God's presence. Moses, he begged God to go with them, his presence to go with them, Exodus 33. God's presence is super important. Okay, now I'm sure there's some smart aleck out there right now thinking, wait, isn't God omnipresent He's everywhere. If we can't escape his presence, does this make any sense? Okay, Miss Smart Alec, I want to address you right now. I was once you when I was young. And I will say, sure, in a way, God is everywhere. But do we always experience his presence? No, we don't. Is everyone coming to life, eternal life? No, they're not. 
In the same way we pray, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come? He's already here. We're asking for his felt, his active presence. That's what we need. We need his active presence here among us working. Again, his presence is super important. We all long for it. To be honest, I could spend all day talking about how God's life-changing presence is powerful and alive and active in us. It's super important. But now, we're gonna shift gears. Because at the very same time that followers of Jesus, we are coming to life in God's presence, this world, our lives can stink. They can. Our sin, Human, humanity's sin has messed up this world, this perfect world that God created. I don't even know where to start with what's wrong with this world. There is so much wrong, right? War and violence, disease and death. We come out of this pandemic. COVID has messed us up in lots of ways. It has the, the division in our society. Literally, literally, the social fabric is falling apart in our society. And, and not just the pandemic, now we have all the epidemics, right? We got the, the opioid epidemic, and we've got the mental health epidemic, and the gun violence epidemic, and the loneliness epidemic. It goes on and on, and all of those touch us here in our church. And our church, wow, this last year, allegations of sexual abuse and spiritual abuse, ugh, things stink. It really does stink. And, and let me tell you, if we're followers of Jesus, here is one of the worst parts of this, okay? It's that we have Jesus, but often we don't know what to say when people tell us about the pain in their life, right? So, so a friend tells us that, that their mom or their, their spouse has died or, or maybe that they've had a miscarriage and we don't know what to say, Right, so often we don't. So, so we say nothing and we try to avoid them for a little while or we say some dumb cliche. Well, like, you know, God, he must have needed another angel up in heaven. What? No. Or, or a, friend, a friend opens up to us about their addiction or they, they tell us that they're profoundly lonely or they share that they were sexually abused. And we got Jesus, but we don't know what to say. We don't know how to react to their pain. Or there, there's some other tragedy in the news, right? There's another natural disaster or school shooting or racial violence, and we end up just ignoring it because we don't know how to process it. We, we don't know how to be supportive in it. And a big reason, a huge reason that we are in this pickle is because us in the Western church, we have forgotten how to lament. We don't know how to lament anymore. So seldom do we lament in our churches that some of us here, we don't even know what that word means. Hey, stick with us the next few weeks and we'll learn together. We'll, we'll learn what lament is, how, how to take our pain and cry out to God, how to process our sorrow with him. Now, if you're thinking, if we're wondering, well, wait, wait a minute, what does all this have to do with what we talked about before, God's presence? A huge part of lamenting 
is crying out to God. It's crying out to God. And the big question when we cry out to God is, where are you, God? Where are you? Where are you, God, when the cancer is spreading and you're not healing me? Where are you, God? Where are you when my loved one is gone and I am so alone? Where are you, God, when I am fighting this addiction? Or where were you, God, when children were burned alive in Maui? Or, or where were you, God, when George Floyd laid in the street and struggled to breathe? Where were you, God, years ago at Pizza Luce, when a former pastor is accused of saying to a mom, no, no, my son couldn't have sexually assaulted your daughter. No, it couldn't have happened because your daughter has issues. That girl's father had just died. Where were you, God? Where were you? Lament is about asking God that. Where are you? Because lament is about God's presence. Lament is a bridge into God's presence. One of the goals, as we, as we press into lament this fall, one of the biggest goals that we have, my prayer for us this fall, is that we can take Jesus' hand and we can walk across this beautiful and loving bridge of lament into God's life-changing presence. In fact, let's pray for that right now. Let's pray for that to happen. Holy Spirit, come, come. We need you and we need to remember how to lament. God, we all need this. Every single person in this room, every person watching online has had loss, has had suffering, has had hurt in their life, and we need to process it with you. And Lord, every single one of us needs more and more of your life, new life, your presence. And God, lament is going to be messy. It, it, it's going to be raw. And we're going to have to buy more Kleenex here at the Duluth Vineyard, God. And that's okay, because you will be there with your presence, changing lives, loving us. Lord, I ask for that this fall. I ask that you pour into us the courage to meet you in lament. Oh, Lord, come. You are so wonderful, Jesus. Amen. All right, so lament is this bridge that we walk over into God's presence. And a big reason that lament does this is because lament helps us get past some of the big obstacles to God's presence. Lament, it helps us get past our sin, it helps us get past our search for answers, and it helps us get past the need to, to, to the effort that we have to use God. We'll see all that today, and to press into that, we're going to look at Job. Yeah, Job, how God used lament to bring Job into his presence, into God's presence. So, Job, many of us know that God allowed 
some seriously bad things to happen to Job, right? Job, he, 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 his, his wealth is wiped out. His ki- children are all killed, right? His, he loses his health. He's covered in these just horrible, awful, oozing sores. Things are bad for Job, and so Job laments. And Job cries out to God, where are you, God? Where are you, God? Those are the words of Job. If only I knew where to find him. If only I could go to his dwelling. But if I go to the east, he is not there. If I go to the west, I do not find him. When he is at work in the north, I do not see him. When he, t- when he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. You can hear Job's pain. I cry out to you, God, but you do not answer. Throughout the book of Job, Job keeps coming back to two things. He keeps saying, repeating these two things over and over again. One is, I'm innocent. I don't deserve this. And the second thing is, I'm cut off. Cut off. Where are you, God? Now, there's a lot in the book of Job, and we cannot go through it all. I can give you some highlights today, okay? You should read it in the Bible, the book of Job. It is so good. Um, One of the things is Job is just an incredible person, really. He's an incredible guy. For starters, here's the way that Job reacts when he first finds out that he is bankrupt and that his kids have all been killed. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. That was traditional mourning back then. Then he fell to the ground in worship, worship, and said, naked I came into, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. When some serious poop happened, Job stayed serious about his relationship with God. Do you see? He he wants to hold on to God. He is trying to get to God. And a big thing that happens after all this poop happens in Job's life is he laments. He cries out to God. And so I'm going to give you a quick summary of Job's laments today. First, Job gets emotional with God. He lays it all out there, right? He curses the day he was born. And then Job, he gets past all of his religiosity, all of the formalities, and he has a new name for God. You. You, God. You. Job gets personal with God. And Job, again, he insists over and over again on his innocence. And then Job, he gets to a place where he just cries out to God, why have you hidden your face from me? He deeply laments the absence of God's presence. And then by this point, Job is just exhausted. He is all cried out. And so he, he grapples with how to hold on to God in the midst of this. Job's laments, they are raw and they are personal. And they are real. But never forget that Job wants to hold on to God. He is trying to get to God. He is crying out for God. And then, chapter 38, God shows up. God shows up. Job experiences God's presence big time. And to see what God does when he shows up, we're actually going to watch a little video. This is a video from the Bible Project. They summarize really the whole book of Job quickly. So let's take a look at that. 
so job begins with a strange story that takes place up in the heavens, which are described something like a heavenly command center so god is there with these angelic creatures called the sons of god, and they're all there reporting for duty and god points out this guy job, his servant showing how righteous and good he is. And then one of these angelic creatures approaches. He's referred to in Hebrew as the Satan. The Satan? Who is this? Well, this word is actually a title, which literally means the one who is opposed. So out of this whole crew, he is the one questioning how God is running the world. And he proposes that Job might not actually love God, that he's only a good person because God rewards him. If God were to take away all of the good things he gave to Job, then we would see his true colors. So he thinks Job is just working the system? That's exactly right. Maybe he's obeying just to get what he wants. So God agrees to this experiment and allows the Satan to inflict suffering on Job. And Job loses everyone and everything that he cares about. It is devastating. And remember, he deserves none of this. God himself said so. The remarkable thing is that in the midst of all this suffering, Job still praises God. At least for chapters one and two. But then in chapter three, we find out how he's really feeling inside. He unleashes this poem that reveals his devastation. It's a long, elaborate curse on the day that he was born. After this, some of Job's friends come to visit him to offer their help. And all of them are like, Job, you must have done something horribly wrong to deserve this. After all, we know God is just, and we know the world is ordered by God's justice and fairness, so you must be getting what you deserve. And for the next 34 chapters, the friends and Job go back and forth in very dense Hebrew poetry. His friends keep speculating about why God might have sent such suffering, and they even start making up lists of hypothetical sins that Job must have committed. But after each accusation, Job defends his innocence. And Job is innocent. He is. He's also on an emotional roller coaster. At some moments, he's very confident that God is still wise and just. Yeah, in other moments, he's doubting God's goodness. He even comes to accuse God of being reckless, unfair, and corrupt. So by the end of the dialogue, Job demands that God come and explain himself in person. And God does so. He comes in the form of a great storm cloud. Now, God doesn't give Job a direct answer. He doesn't tell Job about the conversation with the Satan. Yeah, he does something very different. He takes Job on a virtual tour of the universe. He shows Job how grand the world is, and he asks him if he's even capable of running it or understanding it just for a day. He shows Job how much detail there is in the world, things that we might see every day but really don't understand at all. But God does. He knows it all intimately. He pays attention to the beauty and operations of the universe in ways that we haven't even imagined and in places that we will never see. Then to conclude, God shows Job two wondrous beasts and brags about how great they are. Yeah, they are dangerous. I mean, they would kill you without even thinking about it. And God says they're not evil. They're actually a part of his good world. And then that's it. That's God's whole defense. It's kind of weird. I mean, what was this all about? Yeah, it is kind of weird. 
and we're going to press into that weirdness of God's response today. But first, let's look at what Job does next, how he responds to God showing up, how he's changed by God's presence. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You ask, this is the first question that God asks when he shows up. Who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? And Job says, surely I spoke of things I did not understand. Things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had, my ears had heard of you but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. I love those last two verses there. Job is saying, I had heard about you, God, but now I've experienced you. I've experienced your presence, and it changes everything. And Job, he's not so much repenting of his sin, he's repenting of how he had got it so wrong about God, so wrong. And much of Job's response, the the big thing we can see is what Job doesn't say to God. For example, Job has no more questions for God. In God's presence, all of his questions just fade away. They don't matter anymore. And in God's presence, all that turmoil inside of Job, it is put to rest. All of his anger is gone. All of his his pride is humbled. He is satisfied. He is utterly changed in God's presence. I don't know about you, but I want that. That is coming to life in Jesus. That is is feeling him change us and, and rearrange everything inside of us. I want that. And for that, we need to learn to lament. We need to grab Jesus' hand and we need to walk over that bridge of lament into Jesus' life-changing presence. So, for starters, let's look at some of the obstacles that we get around through lament. And really, we, we see these obstacles in God's weird response and mainly in the things that God doesn't do when he shows up for Job. So, for starters, when God shows up for Job, he doesn't show up as a judge. No. Job, right, throughout the whole book is talking about how he's innocent. I'm so innocent. And God shows up, doesn't address it. No. Because lament gets us past our sin. Now, careful here. Our sin is important, right? We all sin, and it kills us spiritually, And Jesus had to do something about it. The cross, right? Jesus shows up. He humbles himself. He dies on that cross. And if we are willing to give up on ourselves, to humble ourselves and come to him empty-handed, we can receive forgiveness. We can. And then it is done. It's done. It's finished. So with lament, right, we should lament our sins. We should confess them and repent from them and receive forgiveness. And then that obstacle to God's presence is gone. Rather, the obstacle that remains is our obsession with sin. Yeah, we, we think that the only, often we think the only thing that Jesus came to do was die for our sins, I mean, listen to what Jesus says. Read the Bible. He talks way, way more about new life for us, life in the kingdom. Put another way, the prize of following Jesus 
is not forgiveness of sins. It's not a ticket to heaven. Seriously, the prize of following Jesus is Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Christ in us. It's, it's new life, his life in us. So when Job, right, when Job loses everything, right, and through lament, he comes to a place where he sees that. He sees what the prize is, and it's God. Satan was wrong. In the end, Job loves God, not for the blessings, not for what he can give him, like forgiveness. He loves God for who he is. What about us? Are we spending way, way too much time trying to manage our sin, trying to earn our way to God? Yeah, probably we are. Because that's what the Western church does. We, we do that, and we don't know how to stop. Well, maybe we should try lament. Maybe we should step out onto that bridge. Because I'll tell you, it sure did bring a lot of clarity for Job. Okay, next. Um, one of, another way that lament is a bridge into God's presence is that in lament, we cry out to God. We do. We, we ask him all our hard questions. He welcomes those questions. We ask him the hard questions, like, like in the Psalms. We see this in the Psalms. Why? Why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Or, my God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? Why? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? And Job does this. Job's laments are full of questions for God, full of questions. And then remember God's response. God shows up, and he does something that is really annoying for many of us. God answers Job's questions with a question. Where were you, Job, when I laid the foundation of the earth? Yeah, when God shows up, he doesn't answer Job's questions. He doesn't really give him any explanation. Weird, huh? Better than weird. <laughs> Lament takes us past our search for answers. See, God doesn't just, he, it's not that he just, he, he shows up and he doesn't show up as a judge, right? It, but he also, when he shows up, he's not showing up for, to let Job judge him either. No, all these questions that he's asking, the, the, or that God's asking, the virtual tour of the universe, that's all to show Job that he's not qualified to question, to judge God. That's just silly. And Job gets it. Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. It's silly for us to judge God. And we do it all the time. We judge him. If things don't make sense to us, we're, we're just not into it. Right? We, we just walk away from it. I mean, a, a big picture, right? Lots of people struggle to believe in God because there's evil in this world. And bad things do happen to good people. And it doesn't make sense to us. Or, or on particular issues, Right? We, we, maybe what the Bible says, what God says about sexuality doesn't make sense to us. So we reject it. And sometimes we, reject, we end up rejecting the whole Bible. Do, do you see this? Is, is there something about Jesus that doesn't make sense to you? 
Maybe something about what he says, something that he asks us to do. It doesn't make sense, so we're pretending it's not there. We're just ignoring it. You see that? Okay, maybe we should step back. Do we see how our search for answers is an obstacle to God's presence? Well, remember Job, right? Job, he, he wants to hold on to God. He's trying to get to God, and he calls out to God in extremely personal ways. He's calling out to him until he's not, until his friends show up. And his so-called friends are there to tell him, like, Job, come on, you must have done something wrong. That, that, there's no way that this all could happen if you hadn't done something wrong. And that's bad enough. But the real problem with what his friends do is they effectively shush Job. They shush him. Job stops calling out to God. He stops. With the search for answers, Job gets sucked up into talking about God instead of talking to God. Do you see that? For us, how often in our search for answers are we talking about God, we're thinking about God, instead of talking to God, trying to get to him? And let me tell you, it is way easier to talk about God because it doesn't take any humility. It's easy to judge him than it is to talk to God because that's when it gets real and dangerous because God could show up. When you think about it, um, God answering a question with a question, he doesn't stop doing that with Job. No. Over and over and over again, Jesus answered questions with questions. Jesus' main pattern was to fail to answer questions, right? This is what he did, right? How are we going to feed all these people? How many loaves do you have? Don't you care if we drowned? Why are you so afraid? How do we get eternal life? What does it say in the law? Why? Why why can't Jesus just give a straight answer? It's because Jesus came to this earth to give us something way better than answers. Jesus came here to give us the one and only thing that we really need, himself. Himself. So for us, what do we think we need? Are we searching for answers? Or do we need Jesus? Are we searching for Jesus? Personally, I'm a guy that loves answers. I love that when we follow Jesus, we don't have to turn our brains off. It actually makes sense. Even though I don't see it all, how it all works, it does make sense. But I'll tell you the part about Job's story that I love the best is that when Job is in God's presence, all of his questions, they don't matter anymore. They just fade away. And I've experienced this personally in my life. Yeah, when my father died, it hurt. The shock, the the mistake that killed him And in that trauma, I was not the best at lamenting. But the cries, the tears, the grief, they led me to this place where I didn't have answers. I don't have all the answers, but I had Jesus, and he's enough. He's more than enough. For you, 
with the pain, the, the trauma in your life, take it to Jesus. He welcomes all of your hard questions. Give him the hard questions, right? Ask him the hard questions. Scream and shout and lament. And know that he has something far better to give you than answers. He wants to give you himself, his presence. Okay, next. Another way that lament is this bridge into God's presence. It's another weird way that God responds here. At least it's weird to us. God shows up for Job, and you know what God doesn't do? He doesn't comfort Job. I mean, unless you think a pop quiz is comforting, right? All these questions. Job has been through so much. I mean, shouldn't there be some comfort? It seems weird. No, it's not weird. It's better than weird. Lament gets us past our efforts to use God. And so re remember how the whole story starts for Job, right? The devil, he's like, oh, God, Job's not so good. No, Job doesn't really love you. He doesn't really love you for who you are. He just loves the good stuff you give him. Job is using you. You are serving Job. The devil's no dummy. And let me tell you, he is right about so many of us. We are in this thing for what we really want. So we say to Jesus, Jesus, yeah, I'll follow you, but you got to keep up your end of the bargain, right? You, you, you got to come through from me when it matters. You got to serve me too, right? Yeah, I, I need some like level of prosperity in my life, or I, I need you to look out for my family, right? I, I, I need my health, right? I, I can't be in too much pain, covered in oozing sores, right? I, I need my reputation. You can't have people behind my back talking about all the bad things I've done, speculating about all the horrible things I've done. You know, I bet Job wanted all those things. He lost them all, and he lamented the loss. But Job knew at the end... He didn't need any of those things. Not if he had God and his presence. What about us? What do we think we need? You know, without suffering, I think many of us, we're not sure. We're not sure if we're in this deal, if we're in this deal because we love God or we love what God gives us. Timothy Keller, he says this. Whenever suffering comes... God is saying to you, now we'll see whether you got into this religion to, to get me to serve you or for you to serve me. Until suffering comes, you don't realize, until suffering comes, you don't realize all of us, to some degree, are actually trying to get God to be our servant, to get the things we really worship, the things that distract us from God's presence. Many of us, we have lost stuff. We really have. There's a hole, right? Like Job, we felt pain and we felt sorrow. But maybe unlike Job, we still feel this hole. We're not sure we can go on without the thing that we lost. And God, he feels, he feels like he's a long way away. And to you, I would lovingly say, hold on to God. Even if he feels a long way away, hold on to him. And like God did with Job through lament, let God show you that the thing you think you need, you don't really need. 
if you have Jesus. It's a hard lesson, but it's a beautiful one that God is there to teach us. All right, let's pull back here, okay? Let's get the big picture, right? Again, lament is this bridge into God's presence, and the way it does that is it it gets us around these obstacles to God's presence. It, It gets us past our sin, and it gets us past our search for answers and past our efforts to use God. And we see from Job's story that it works. Lament works. At the end, chapter 42, God says to Job, you did it right. Now, God calls out his friends, right, the the ones that are trying to distract him to get him to talk about God. He says they got it wrong. But Job, God says, Job, you did it right. And remember, let's notice here, doing it right includes all the bad days that Job had. Right? And it got so bad. Job cursed the day he was born. <laughs> he did. Job, his, his lament is raw. Right? Job, he, he gets to a place where he, he accuses God of being unjust. It, he rants and he raves. And, and, and is, he, it is terrible what Job goes through. And it is real and honest lament. And the thing that we need to see is that Job is trying to get to God. He turns to God in his pain. The key thing here is he's trying to hold on to God. He's trying to get to God. That's the invitation for all of us today, right there, is that in our pain, in our sorrow, in the, in the things that we go through, the trauma in our lives, that, that yeah, we will lament, we will cry out, we will, we will yell at God, we will complain and ask him the hard questions, but that we will hold on and we will try to get to him, that we will grab Jesus' hand and we will walk over that bridge of lament into God's presence. And the important thing, too, is that we never forget, we never lose sight of what's on the other end of the bridge, what the prize is. Michael Card, he writes this beautiful book, Sacred Sorrow. And in that book, he describes this for Job. For Job. In the end of the book, God's answer to Job's loss is not getting his dead children back. Indeed, He never gets them back. The answer, God's answer, is that Job gets God back. And Job's response, brought into focus by his suffering, is clear. That is all he ever really needed. The same can be said for you and me. Lament is the path that takes us to a place where we discover that there is no complete answer to pain and suffering, only presence. Having refused to let go through his stubborn lament, Job stands before God, broken, bloody, still covered with detestable, putrefying sores. Having lost everything a person can lose, he now possesses everything. Wow. That's my prayer for us as we press into lament this fall everything. Let's be honest. We have lost so much. Everyone, we've been lost so much. I mean, just let's be honest about the pandemic. We are not okay after the pandemic. We can just admit it. We're not. We're not okay. 
It, it has done a number on us, on our society, right? It, because of, of death and divorce and division in our society, we've lost people we love during the pandemic. It is a deep wound in our society. And our church, over this last year, there is so much pain and grief and sorrow. We are not okay. We have lost so much. And each of us individually, we have our struggles, the broken relationships, the, the, the financial and the, the health problems, the addictions, the, the loneliness, the, the list goes on and on. We have lost so much. And yet... If we have Jesus, if we have his presence, we have everything. Lord, Lord, come. Come, Lord Jesus. I pray that through lament, we can actually experience that truth. We can feel that truth. You will make that truth real for us as we press into this this fall. Come, Lord Jesus. Um, why don't you go ahead and stand up with me? We're going to press into ministry time now. We're going to press into lament. We're going to take Jesus' hand, and we're going to walk over this bridge together. And again, it's going to be messy, and it's, they're, they're, it's okay to cry. It's okay to, we got Kleenex. It's okay that it's not picture perfect because it's real, and it's where God meets us. So come, Holy Spirit, come now. I welcome your presence even more. Come, Lord, come. And Lord, I pray that you start out in our hearts just fanning the flame, the desire for your presence. Lord, help us to to understand, to see that there is nothing better. And, And I know, God, that this starts out with just words in our head, that if we have you, we have everything. We don't get it because often we haven't experienced it. But Lord, fan the flame of desire for that that we would want that more and more of your presence. And then, Lord, come Holy Spirit and help us to get present to our loss, to our pain. There's no person in this room that hasn't experienced pain, and it's individual for each of us. So right now, highlight a place, a place where we have not processed it. We're not okay in that area of our life. We're not really healed. Lord, show us that place. And as we come, become present to that pain, Lord, as it sinks in that it's not okay that that happened. I am not okay with this. I am hurt. I am, I'm in pain. Lord, let us ask those hard questions of you. Let us turn to you, and if we have to scream and shout and complain, as you hold on to whatever that pain is, Turn to Jesus. Turn to him. And I know it feels wrong to complain to God, but read the Psalms, right? If we need some help, let's go there. In fact, we're going to put a Psalm, Psalm 13 on the screen now. And right now, as you're present to the pain in your life, I would invite you to read this with me, just aloud. We can just read this Psalm, these words aloud to God. Again, whatever the pain is in your life, say these words to God. How long, Lord? Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer me, Lord, my God. 
Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Hear the cries of our hearts. Hear them. And Lord, come into that place of pain with your presence. Help us to reach out and open ourselves up to you. Lord, I know you will show up like you did with Job. Come now, Lord, in this room, into that place. And we're all going to experience this differently. Some of us may be feeling it now, just this sense of his love and his presence. Some of us, he may still feel like he's a long way off, but we're just starting to feel like, wait a minute, he might come. This could happen for me. Wherever you are, again, the invitation is to continue to want him, to continue to hold on and let him into that place. And this leads, this leads to something wonderful. Let's read the rest of the psalm together because this is the prayer that our lament will turn to this. But I trust you in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Holy Spirit, come and let, help us to get to that place the place that David got to in this psalm, the place that you're inviting us into, that we can praise you even in the midst of our lament. I'm gonna invite the ministry team to come forward now. Um, I think there's some of us that need someone to pray for us today. We have dialed up the hurt in our hearts and we need prayer. We need God to come with his presence. Others of us, maybe not. Maybe we're, um, we're, we're just feeling flatlined right now. And then if that's where you're at, you need prayer. Others of us, maybe we, we've been through this process with lament and God has brought love into our hearts and we want to celebrate that. You can come forward for that. Even though this is a, we're talking about lament, you can celebrate, you can praise God in the midst of lament. Really, if there's anything in your life that you need prayer for, we would love to pray for you. If you are struggling with, with issues, you need physical healing or in your finances or in your relationships, whatever it is, let's lament those things. Let's get prayer for those things. Let's let God into those. Again, the invitation today is to want God, to seek him, to take our pain to him and let him show up and change us. They're, they're gonna lead us in some more worship here. We're gonna, we're gonna sing. And in that, I ask that you let God to continue to come into these places. God's not done with us yet. Keep pressing into lament. Thank you so much for coming to the vineyard today.